The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rock. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who follow it. my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said... Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, two of the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, you'll see two videos at the top of the screen there. The one on the left is Bradley's show from yesterday. So if you missed that and you'd like to uh, catch that, you can do that up until 3 o'clock Eastern this afternoon, at which time he'll be live in that little area. And then on the right side is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up whatever device you've got, and then look for the Rumble icon in the bottom right. Join us in on Rumble. A few friends over there on Rumble and um, join us in the chat over there. We are streaming live to Rumble, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Also, before it's news.com, top of the page there, 
dlive.tv at the sons of liberty and then also a number of facebook pages that bear my name as well as twitch which is real tim brown uh, please if you're on twitch subscribe there and help me out over there a little bit and then uh, twitter for whatever that's worth the real tim brow leave off the end off the end the last part of my name and add a two there the real tim brow two uh, on twitter and you can pick up the feed there as well right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for an email newsletter you get one of those a day between 7 and 8 p.m eastern time and uh, then if you want our ministry email which goes out once a week on saturdays go to sons of liberty radio.com and you can sign up for that off of the front page. And we appreciate your your help for those of you who actually get it. Because, again, I, I'm convinced they aren't just doing it on the social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter and things like this. They are, they are actually going and censoring us. By the way, just letting you know this. If you go to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, if you want to be notified, forget the censorship and all that stuff. If you want to be notified as soon as we post articles, and sometimes you might get a few right in a row, um, bear with that. It'll happen different times throughout the day. When you go to sonsoflibertymedia.com, if you've not done it, there'll be a little pop-up box that comes up and says, we want to give you notifications. If you say aloud to that, then what happens as soon as I post a new article, it, if you're online, it will pop up in a little box on the right I think it's on the right side of your screen. And you can just click on that if you're interested. If not, you close it out. And that's a way to, to get past it as well. So there's a number of ways, email, and then, of course, uh, the, the notifications part as well. And then finally, if you agree with us and you would like to uh, support the ministry and what we do here at the Sons of Liberty, not only on the radio and Internet, but among the people, there is a donut button. Donate, not a donut. <laughs> Boy, I'm hungry. I could eat a donut right now or about a dozen of them if they're Krispy Kreme. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there's a donate button at the top of SonsLibertyMedia.com. Click on that, make a one-time donation. And if you would like to partner with us monthly, there is that uh, option available. Become a son or daughter of Liberty. That link is there. And again, guys, we appreciate you very much. Uh, just a quick thank you to uh, people who have sent... Um, <clears throat> uh, Christmas cards and uh, and at least two gifts. Thank you for that. Uh, my family and I are very humbled. I, I I still am, even though I've been doing this like I don't know how many years now. Uh, I'm still blown away that some of you are so kind to us. So thank you. Uh, just want to say, just want to put that out there um, from me to you. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Uh, today, you know, there's. I'm going to get on the issue of the, uh, you know, what's going on with this marriage issue. Now, there's there's some other things that, I mean, I've got some videos. We'll have it in the bonus video section of the archives. If you guys aren't checking that out, you know, I have anywhere from like, I don't know, three to ten. Some of them you've seen, some of them you may not have seen. Uh, but I, I do try to grab some of these that come through the Telegram channel, uh, through other places that I find them, stuff that, that are of interest that needs to be archived. I'm archiving them on my private uh, Rumble channel. Uh, this one right here, again, we have seen uh, Joe Biden. We've seen him completely lost in a room. We've seen him where nobody wants to shake his hand. Nobody wants to talk to him. 
We've seen him utter utterly stupid things that came out of his mouth. And when I say stupid things, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Remember that about Americans? <laughs> and you can see Kamala Harris and whatever the Supreme Court justice person that he put in, you can see them almost snicker at it that they're trying to keep back from laughing. Um, we have seen where he looks like he's walking through a crowd of people and you get these glitches like there's a green screen behind him. It's because this guy's a puppet. He's an empty suit. There are people who are actually doing things behind the throne, so to speak. And this is one of the latest things. This is, uh, yeah, let me click on this because I didn't uh, bring this up to, uh, to, have it uh, to have it fully ready. This is uh, Joe Biden's wife, Jill, and I would say an accomplice in his, ped in his pedophilia. Here he is getting ready to sign what we're going to talk about. Um, he's getting ready to sign a document here. And um, here's Jill ready with the pills. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have to refer to her as something like uh, Jill the pill popper, the, chill pimp, the, the pill pimp. And you notice she'll slip it to him and poop right in the mouth. Because as we all know, that's how the pharmaceutical companies see us, as a mouth and a throat and a stomach. That's that's how they see us. Uh, just in case you didn't get that and you're just now joining us, uh, if I could do this without my arrow falling down into the Windows deal, you see her slip it. They don't they don't even hide it. We're seeing it in some of these court cases. People sniffing coke and <laughs> online. It's incredible. It's they don't even try to hide it. She just did it right out there in front of God and everybody. Not that God doesn't see it when you do it in private either, but she just did it right in front of God and everybody. And here's here's uh, here's Joe. Wolf in the peels. <sighs> the old saying, don't get high on your own supply. And yet here he is, a big pharma pimp himself, just like Donald Trump was. And um yeah, he's gotta have him, he's gotta have him to cope himself. Now, with that said. We have come through this thing where we're looking at something called the Respect for Marriage Act. Now, I want to I want to just kind of I'm going to be all over the place today because I there's so many thoughts in my head about all of this, okay? So, what I want to do is I want to ask a simple question because I had a friend with with a, a conversation with my friend BJ Harrison. He does a a show you can find called Last Call, and uh, you might can uh, you can find him on Facebook. I meant to pull up the thing in his YouTube channel. I couldn't find his YouTube channel for some reason. I don't know why, uh, but it's called Last Call. He comes on on Saturdays, and uh, he's got a sidekick there. And um, BJ and I were talking about yesterday about this issue because he's wanting to bring somebody on who was part of putting together DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act. By the way. With the whole DOMA thing under Obama, I was like, okay, he's, on the one hand, Obama was challenging something from Congress by saying, I ain't enforcing it. Did Congress do anything to say, oh, no, yes, you are, because we've made it law? No, they didn't. They just let him run right over it. Republicans, too. 
oh, I know they talked a, they talked a good game. They gave a good bark, but they didn't have any bite. Okay. And he pushed over that. He had his Supreme Court overthrow it. Okay. I have to ask the question, where does Congress get the authority to define marriage? And for what purpose are they defining it? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some key points here that I hope you'll get. I hope they'll be self-evident. The First Amendment is pretty clear, is it not? The First Amendment talks about Congress shall make no law. In fact, I didn't have it pulled up here. But the First Amendment of the Constitution reads this. And you'll see I'm reading it straight from Amendment 1. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. In other words, they're not going to form a state religion, even though they are. It's called secular humanism, and they have it throughout every school in the land that they fund and that they demand certain things of. They have established a religion. Don't think they haven't. They have. Okay? They're not supposed to, but they have. Or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That is, anything that the Scripture teaches us to do. Remember, we talked about religion before, the idea of binding with an oath. Okay? And we're not talking about how they do oaths. We're saying Jesus is Lord, and so therefore we're going to follow him and his commands and his teachings. That's what we're talking about here. They're not to prohibit the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So Congress on those things doesn't make law. It doesn't have authority to make law on that. Okay? And yet, what do they do? They make law on it. This Respect for Marriage Act is just that. And I'm going to show you in this hour or over, whatever, whatever we get to here, I'm going to show you just how they're doing that. And it's and I'm going to tell you, I got sucked into it with the DOMA thing, but I'm going to tell you right now, Congress has no authority, zero, to define marriage. Why? Because that is the job, number one, of the creator who made male and female and brought them together. And we're going to look at some scripture for that. And the church is to be the pillar and uh, the pillar of the truth and the guardian of the truth. And so therefore, she is to be the one who defines what marriage is based on what the Creator has said. That's what's supposed to happen. And I'm going to show you where Congress just picks and chooses what they want to define. Okay? So let's, let's take this first. Let's take the enumerated powers of Congress. Webster's American Dictionary, and I'm going to draw from Publius Holda here. I, I, Publius Holda is uh, just one of the sweetest ladies you can find, but she is a pit bull when you put her up to talk about the Constitution. She, she is. Uh, I think she's like 4'11 with her heels on. I, I, in fact, I should pull the picture out. I think I saved the picture. It was on my phone, or uh, but I've had several phones since then. But we had a picture together, and she's like, I don't know, down here at my 
lower chest level uh, with her heels on uh, where she was over in Charlotte and she was speaking at a group there, her and Chris Ann Hall and some other people. And, and I, I went to meet her because she had been contributing to the website I was running for some time. And she contributes to Sons of Liberty as well, uh, including sending a lot of alerts to people, letting them know about Article 5 and things of this nature. So one of the things she points to is Webster's 1828 Dictionary of the English Language for Constitution. Here's what it says. In free states, the Constitution is paramount to the statutes or laws enacted by the legislature. In other words, the Constitution is supreme in those areas. And then any of these statutes, call, codes, or what, they, what laws they write must be in accordance with that Constitution. They can't, be, they can't be against it. In other words, Second Amendment says the right of the people to keep and bear arms cannot be in, or shall not be infringed doesn't mean you can write legislation to infringe on the liberties of people for whatever you want, whether it's ammo, knives, uh, what kind of gun it is, whether it's a machine gun or not. Any of this, it, 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 it runs against that. Same thing with the Fourth Amendment. Unless you have a warrant and a proper cause here, you're not to be searching and seizing squat off of anybody. And yet, what do they do? Every time you go to get on a plane, what is the federal government doing and what are you submitting to? Well, Tim, we can't fly there. Then don't fly. If you're going to talk about resisting something, quit submitting to it. And if you go in there and you're just fussing at the people, but you submit to it, are you really resisting it? Really? Or are you like the Republicans who have a big bark but no bite? I'm just asking a question here. Just asking. If we go back to those in the Revolutionary period or the War for Independence period prior to that, did they just go ahead and submit to it even though they were with their mouth saying we're against this? They were trying to resist to it in any way. In fact, they resisted it so much they went and got some tea and dumped it in a harbor. It wasn't theirs to say we're not going to submit to it. So there it is. Then what Publius Holda does is in, and I'll have this article in the, uh, in the archives if you want to look at it. It's the enumerated powers of Congress. She's got three of these, the enumerated powers of Congress, the enumerated powers of the, the president, and the enumerated powers of the judiciary branch or the judicial branch. Here's what she says. And let me take you over to this. Congress is not authorized to pass any law on any subject just because a majority in Congress think the law is a good idea, or I might say the majority in America. I hear this talk about the will of the people. Um, the will of the people ties in with democracy too, by the way. The will of the people should be that the law is upheld. We don't do it based on the whims of the people. If they dumb down the people and the people don't know any better and they say, yeah, you can go ahead and do that because this is where they've gotten us so far. This is what I was telling my friend BJ the other day. They've got us arguing over the issue of marriage in which they have zero authority. And I'm going to show you here in just a second. They have zero authority to define the federal government. It has zero authority to define it. And they've got us talking about it so that they can get a consensus from us to say, yeah, go ahead and define marriage. 
Go ahead and define a marriage for us, beast. You beast system. Go ahead and define it for us. Here's what she says. Congress is not authorized to pass any law on any subject just because a majority of Congress think the law is a good idea. Instead, the areas in which Congress is authorized to act are strictly limited and defined or enumerated. And here's how she lays them out. And by the way, get your pocket constitution out, your digital one. You guys, none of you are without it. You can all get it on the internet if that's you know if you don't have a printed copy you can get it there but if you can get a little small copy that you just keep in your you know by your desk or in your coat pocket or in your car or maybe all three you can do that at virtually no expense article 1 section 8 there are 16 clauses there this is what congress may do they may not do anything outside of this, even though they've been doing it, but this is what they may do. Number one, lay certain taxes. Number two, pay the debts of the United States. By the way, you'll find that one kind of interesting as well, because there is, and I should have brought this up, but this is hitting me off the top of my head. They are, the, the U.S. government is responsible for every kind of debt, checks, Federal Reserve notes, just giving you an idea here to tap into some things that you need to look into. They're responsible for that. Not you. You. They are. Number three, to declare war and make rules of warfare. They're not doing that either. They're letting, they're letting the executive branch do this stuff. To raise and support armies and navy and to make rules governing the military forces. To call forth the militia for certain purposes and to make rules governing the militia. Number four, to regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the states and with the Indian tribes. To establish, number five, to establish uniform rules of naturalization. Number six, to establish uniform laws of bankruptcies. Number seven, to coin money and regulate the value thereof, and that's based on gold and silver in our Constitution. Number eight, to fix the standard of weights and measurements, and that ties in with number seven. Remember, God calls, if you've got unjust weights and measurements, God calls that an abomination just as much as sodomy. Just as much as shedding the blood of the innocent. Just so, just so we're clear, because at the root of everything we're facing in this country is a rejection of God, and at the basis of that is this beast system who thinks it's God giving us and defining for us lawless money. The very thing that Jesus was driving the money changers out of the temple for. They have become a den of thieves in D.C. and other governments as well. Number nine, to provide for the punishment of counterfeiting. Number 10, to establish post offices and post roads. Number 11, to issue patents and copyrights. Number 12, to create courts inferior to the Supreme Court and... Number 13, to define and punish piracies and felonies committed on the high seas and offenses against the laws of nation. And then she goes on and she says, other provisions of our Constitution delegate to Congress powers over the country at large to make laws regarding, number 14, an enumeration of the population for purposes of apportionment of representatives and direct taxes. This is Article 1, clause, uh, Section 2, Clause 3. Uh, elections of senators and representatives and their pay 
and after 1808 to prohibit importation of slaves. Number 17, after 1808 to restrict migration to these United States. Both of those are under attack right now. We've seen these men bringing in both slaves and their child brides into the states. Unrestricted, by the way. Aren't there? So many of these people aren't even checked to see whether they have a criminal record or not. And then he says, or she says, number 18, a restricted power to suspend writs of habeas corpus. Very restricted, I would say. In fact, I, I think that's one of the bad things here. Okay, that's one of the bad things about the Constitution. Yep, shouldn't be restricted because every time somebody does something like this, they're always infringing on the rights of the people, and they're doing it for an evil cause every single time. Number 19, to revise and control imposts or duties on imports or exports which may be laid by the states. Number 20, a restricted power to declare the punishment of treason. Number 21, implementation of the full faith and credit clause. Yeah, the full faith and credit clause is about you and me is what it is. It isn't about a money supply. It's about us. It's about a people supply. Number 22, this is the final one, procedures for, for amendments to the Constitution, which is an Article 5 convention. Yeah, they're over that too. I know the Convention of States clowns are telling you, oh, you know, the states call the convention. No, the states petition Congress for it, and it's up to the Congress to call it. And since they're in charge of all this rulemaking, dealing with whatever the government's going to be, they're the ones going to write the rules for that. Don't let them tell you any different because they're lying. They're lying. She goes on and she writes, the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 19th, 23rd, 24th, and 26th Amendments delegated additional powers to Congress over the country at large, respecting certain civil rights and certain voting rights, the public debt law incurred, lawfully incurred, that's lawfully incurred. A lot of our debt is completely unlawful. Income tax, successions to vacated offices, dates of assembly, and appointment of representatives from the D.C. And that's all they have. You say, well, that was a mouthful, Tim. Yeah, it was a mouthful for me to say. But literally, it's what? 22 things that, that Congress in D.C. has been authorized to write law on, which means those 22 things are the only things they can spend money on. And you and I know they do far more than what's in there. Every Wednesday, just like, well, we didn't do it yesterday. We, we did Advent stuff. But you're aware that the District of Criminals has violated the Ninth and Tenth Amendments and their hand being in the what they call education, which is really state indoctrination. You know that. So what's any different with this? Well, if you guys remember, there was a case called Oberfell versus Hodges, director of the Ohio Department of Health. This is a couple of things that uh, Cornell Law as posted on this particular case. I want to just want to share some of this with you and then I want to ask I want to ask some questions and I'm going to show you some other things as we go through this. Okay? 
We're going to deal with the Constitution. We're gonna, and then we're going to go, we're going to kind of show you how things are in our system today and how they were just not too many years ago. And then we're going to go back to the very foundation, which isn't the Constitution at all. It's the scriptures and the words of the living God. Okay. So here's what we read here from Cornell Law. The 14th Amendment requires a state to license a marriage between, it requires a state to license a marriage. Now, I want to ask you something. For those who do look to Scripture, many of you do because you listen to the show. Where in the Scripture do you have to have a license to marry? Where do you have to have a license to speak? Where do you have to have a license to carry a weapon, a sword, a dagger, a spear? You don't, do you? It's assumed you have the right to do that if you have the ability to get them, to acquire them. And yet they say it requires a state to license a marriage between two people of the same sex. Okay? Just so people on the screen know where we're at. Between two people of the same sex and to recognize a marriage between two people of the same sex when their marriage was lawfully licensed and performed out of state. No marriage, let, let me just clear this up. No marriage, and I use marriage in air quotes here, is ever between two people of the same gender. It's not. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. We're going to let the Creator tell us exactly how He established it in the creation. Before turning to the governing principles and precedents, it is appropriate to note the history of the subject now before the court. Number one, the history of marriage as a union between two persons it's, uh, of the opposite sex marks the beginning of these cases. To the respondents, it would demean the timeless institute of marriage, which uh, were extended to same-sex couples. That's exactly right, because same-sex these same-sex couples have the same right of marriage, and that is to a member of the opposite sex that everybody else does. What they want is a special right. And if you remember, I've told you, socialists go in and they begin to change the language. Marriage is the latest target. That word is the latest target. And this is what they're writing here. But the petitioners, far from seeking to devalue marriage, seek it for themselves because of their respect and need for its privileges and responsibilities as illustrated by the petition. What is the need and, what is the need and privileges and responsibilities? tax status that's what the that's what defining marriage by the federal government is all about it is all about tax status this this ruling was about taxes okay this was about taxation unlawful taxation let me throw this in just a minute and i can already tell we're going to go over a little bit so Go get your extra coffee or whatever it is. Brian, if you're still out there, get your pot of coffee and your straw, brother. <laughs> Direct taxation on the people is a threat to your liberty. Direct taxation on you, whether it's through thinking they have the, you know, a hand in the fruit of your labor, whether it is the moral property tax, which threatens your house and your car or your boat, your land is a direct threat on your liberty. This is why 
In the beginning, there was none of this kind of taxation by the feds. It was tariffs. And let me tell you the difference of how that works. Does tariffs, does taxes on foreign imports and stuff like this affect you? Yeah, they do. But they're your choice to engage in. Those tariffs are going to be passed down to the consumer. This is why the guys were dumping the tea in the harbor. They didn't want this two or three cent tea tax. Okay? So what happens? If you are directly taxed, pretty much everything you own is on the line if you don't pay those taxes. Does that sound like the land of the free? No, that sounds like extortion. That sounds like organized crime with thugs who come after you if you don't pay those things. That's direct taxation. And that works under a flat tax. It, it works under uh, the guy who died during the convids, Herman Cain, who called it his 999 plan. A lot of people got really into that because, well, if God says it's 10% on the tithe, and we don't want to take more than God. Well, you don't want to take anything, dude. Who are you? He knows better now, by the way. But if you have taxes that are in tariffs or even a sales tax, nobody's property and their livelihood and them as a person not to go to jail is under any threat. You can buy it or not buy it. You can grow it yourself. You can produce it yourself. Do you understand the difference here? And God warned the people of Israel when they asked for a king, one of the things he said the king is going to do to you is he's going to tax you. He wasn't telling them because God intended to tax them later on. No, he didn't do that. God did provide for a tithe to keep up the Levitical priesthood because those guys were continually working day and night. Why? Because the people were sinning. They had to intercede for them. They were a picture of the Lord Jesus. Except Jesus, once he had interceded for us, with his own blood before the Father in the holy temple in heaven, what did he do? The Bible says he sat down. There was no chairs in the, uh, in the tabernacle. There were no chairs in the temple. They were always working. And Jesus accomplished his work, boom, one time. Giving himself once for sinners, the just for the unjust, that we might be reconciled back into God. So this is an issue of taxation. We need to rethink that. People out there, listen to me. Those of you who say, you aren't paying your fair share of taxes, right there you are showing you're a statist in your heart. I don't care how much liberty you claim. I don't care how constitution you claim or Christian or whatever. If you think like that, instead of saying, why is anybody being taxed directly? You are a statist at heart in your mind, and you need to repent. You really need to repent. I want to give a couple of things here that they point out, and then I'm going to take you through several things throughout history and uh, through some of what's going on. But here's from, again, Cornell Law. The 14th Amendment requires a state to license a marriage between two people of the same sex. And here's the points they make. Uh, the fundamental liberties, they write, the fundamental liberties protected by the 14th Amendment's due process clause extend to certain personal choices central to individual dignity and autonomy. There is nothing dignant about two men being sexually engaged or two women being sexually engaged. There's nothing dignant about that. In fact, it's a crime. I'm going to show you that in just a minute. 
Okay? Including intimate choices defining personal identity and beliefs. Nonsense. Look, I've got the I've got certified copies from the Library of Congress that show us that our laws are supposed to be based upon the Bible. This was Congress's resolution back in the 1980s. Many Supreme Court rulings have upheld that as well. There is no right for people of the same gender to marry. Therefore, this boy ain't going to respect it. I'm, I'm not going to respect that. And we'll talk about that word respect here in just a minute. So it says, including intimate choices defining personal identity and beliefs. Courts must exercise reason, judgment, and identifying interest of the person so fundamental that the state must accord them its respect. History and tradition guide and discipline the inquiry, but do not set its outer boundaries. Why not? Why not? They don't tell you. When new insight reveals discord, it's not new insight. This is old stuff. Sodom and Gomorrah knew about sodomites and lesbians. Well, I don't know if they knew about lesbians. I'm assuming they did because there was probably some women there too. Uh, Lot's daughters being evidence of that. So, the court has held the right to marry as it protected by the Constitution. Well, of course it is. But what is marriage itself? That's the question. And if our laws are supposed to be based upon the Bible, if that's what, and Congress has said it, are they either, either they're being hypocrites, criminals, and traitors, or they're telling the truth when they say that? I believe they told the truth when they said it. Okay? Here's the principles they lay out, and then we're going to look at some other things here. Four principles and traditions demonstrate that the reasons marriage is fundamental under the Constitution apply with equal force for, to same-sex couples. No, they don't. It's a silly argument that they make here. It does not apply to them. No, and we're going to look at this in a minute. The, 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 the 14th Amendment in the Constitution has nothing to do with abortion or same-sex marriages. has nothing to do with that. does have something to do with bringing everyone and making everyone a slave. That's why it was a war to enslave the states, the word of northern aggression that Lincoln led, that everybody thinks was such a great president, when he was really a Marxist tyrant, is what he was. The abiding, uh, it says, the first premise of this court's relevant precedence is that the right to personal choice regarding marriage is inherent in the concept of individual autonomy. This abiding connection between marriage and liberty is why loving, uh, is why loving, Invalidated interracial marriage bans under the due process clause. Well, that, yeah, I asked the question. Do you, let me just throw this out. Do you know in the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina within the past 20 years, I want to say within the past 20 years, we had a vote to actually say, yeah, it's okay for people of different ethnicities to marry. Yeah, in the 2000s. I just kind of looked and said, what in the world? I've had people ask me, well, would you let your daughter marry a black man? Well, if he's a godly man, I'll consider that, yeah. If he's an ungodly man, it's the same thing as a white guy, a Latino guy, an Asian guy. Nah, I'm not interested in having you around. Because we don't have the same culture. Our culture is Christian. It is based upon the Bible. 
And if you have two cultures trying to come together, you already have a problem with the sin nature of man and woman, don't you? Those of you who are married, you already know that this, the sin nature of man and woman is, is part of the curse. Why do you want to exacerbate that problem by taking two cultures that are completely opposites of one another and sticking them together? Just ensures your marriage is going to fall apart. That's what it does. With that said, we go back here to what Cornell Law says. A second principle in this course juris, uh, jurisprudence is that the right of Mary, right to marry is fundamental because it supposes a two-person union unlike any other in its importance to the committed individuals. The intimate association protected by this right was central to Griswold in Connecticut, which held the Constitution protects the right of married couples to use contraception. See what these courts are doing? Same-sex couples have the same right as opposite-sex couples to enjoy intimate association. They can't have children. The Bible says that what they're engaged in is an abomination. It's not, oh, you guys just kind of missed it a little bit. You should have been with a woman when, instead of a man, or a man instead of a woman. No, no, no. It says you're an abomination. That term has this idea of disgusting, nauseating, sickening. Paul says that what these people do in private, it, it, it's so shameful, it shouldn't even be talked about. Yet, what are we seeing daily? Even from the conservatives, they stick it right in our face all the time. Now, you'll see me put some things out there just so you understand that it's really happening. But I hate even doing that. Why? Because it's an abomination. It's disgusting. Second, the principle is, is the right to marry is fundamental because it supports a two-person union like no other importance of committed venues. Okay, we did that one. Third, for protecting the right to marry is that it safeguards children and families and thus draws meaning from related rights of childbearing, procreation. Wait, same-sex couples can't procreate. Hello? And this idea of protecting the right to marry, well, why aren't you protecting the right to marry? If it includes procreation, that can only happen between a man and woman. It cannot happen between two women. It cannot happen between two men. See their double talk? Their double speak, as Orwell called it? See their devil's tongue? Revelation 13? The mouth of the dragon? This, this, is, what they, this is what they have. Oh, but they'll talk to you about the Bible and the Word. Oh, the Word. Yeah, they'll do that. And then it goes on and it makes mention of certain things. Finally, this court's cases and nation's traditions make clear that marriage is a keystone of the nation. Of the nation. So, sure, yeah, the marriage is between a, a man and a woman. That's the, that is. That is the nucleus of society, of any society, not just ours. But you want to make a statement like that and then say, yeah, sodomites can marry and lesbians can marry. What in the world is going on? I'll tell you what. God has given, those, given the people up to a reprobate mind. Romans chapter 1. They think themselves wise. They've thrown off God. Oh, they give him lip service. They give him lip service, but their hearts are far from him or they wouldn't reason like this. This isn't even reasoning. It isn't even logical what they're putting here. 
So we've read Congress's powers. They don't have the power. They usurped it. They usurped the authority to define marriage. Marriage is defined, first and foremost, by the Creator. It is to be reiterated by His church, the people of God. Because He's revealed it to us in the Scripture, which we're going to take a look at in a bit. And yet, what did we see here? November the 30th, Respect for Marriage Act passes Senate, now moves to the House, endangering the church. Well, you know, this is our friend Suzanne Hamner. I don't think it endangers the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Does it put us in perilous times? Yes. But the church is not at jeopardy. The church is, being, is having her own judgment. Judgment begins at the house of God. And if it begins there, what about the unrighteous? Paul, uh, Peter writes, what about the ungodly? Church has been asleep at the wheel. And because we've been asleep at the wheel, not doing what we've done, we've been turning over all our responsibilities to the state and thinking God's just fine with that because those things are still being taken care of. And we don't realize this thing is growing into a beast with a mouth big enough to consume us all. And we think things are just fine. Then not only did it pass the Senate, it passed the House. 39 of the alleged good guys from the red wave that so many people want to see happen. Were those who voted for it. Is anybody, those of you who are listening, who may have had issues with me, that's fine. Are you seeing what we're saying when we're trying to show you these two political parties are a great evil? Are you seeing any of that? No, 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 Tim, you're crazy. This is the way you're going to do it, blah, 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 blah. Okay, you guys have been trying that for 170 years. Why do you say 170 years? I'm going back to the time of Lincoln. Republican, Democrat, you guys have been playing this game far enough. It's time the people said enough. I've told you about my friend Bojidar, who was in Bulgaria, and he said the only way we defeated communism because we had elections was we started figuring out it was the two-party deal. We voted for the third party. We brought down communism, and we reestablished Bulgaria at the time. That's, that's, a, that's a reality. Okay? That's a reality. One of the things I want to do is I want to just I want to pull this up because what we read here is they're trying to redefine marriage, right? But the the act that they have is called Respect for Marriage Act. Now, has Congress defined the word respect? I'm just curious. Have they defined the word respect? Why didn't they need find the need to define the word respect? Is it because everybody knows what that means? Yeah, everybody knows what marriage is too. They do. They know what it is. Here's how Noah Webster defined respect. To regard, to have regard to in design or purpose. He uses it in the sentence. In orchards and gardens, we do not so much respect beauty as variety of ground for fruits, trees, and herbs. His second definition is to have regard to in relation or connection to relate to the treaty particularly respects our commerce. That's the sentence that he used the word in. Number three, to view or consider with some degrees of reverence, 
to esteem as possessed of real worth. And he used it in a sentence says, I always loved and respected Sir William. Number four definition, to look towards. And he uses this in a sentence. Palladius adviseth the front of his house should so respect the South. To respect the person, to suffer the opinion or judgment, to be influenced or biased by a regard to the outward circumstances of a person to the prejudice of right and equity. And then he uses it and says, Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, Leviticus 19.15, neither doth God respect any person, Second Samuel 14.14. 14. And he certainly doesn't respect the abominable. which is what we're talking about here, okay? And he goes on, and he uses it as a noun, regard, attention, uh, the estimation or honor in which men hold the distinguished worth or substantial good qualities of others. Let me ask you something. Is sodomy, disguised as marriage, something that is a good quality? Is it something that is honorable? Is it something worthy of esteem? No, it's not. It's abomination. It's disgusting. And he goes on. There's, there's some other definitions here. I'll have the link so you guys can check it out here uh, in, the, uh, in the archives a little later. Now, I didn't bring this one up, but I just kind of wanted to go back, and I wanted to bring marriage up because, again, no Webster, a founding father, he defined marriage here. And he went to the scriptures for it. Here's what he has. The act of uniting a man and woman for life, wedlock. He says a man and a woman. 1828 is when he puts this out. The legal union of a man and woman for life. Marriage is a contract, both civil and religious, by which the parties engage to live together in mutual affection and fidelity till death shall separate them. Marriage was instituted by God himself for the purpose of preventing the promiscuous intercourse of the sexes. Yeah, promiscuity is against the law too. For promoting domestic felicity and for securing the maintenance and education of children. Hmm, why? Because God only gives children to those who are married who are male and female. And then he cites Hebrews 13.4. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. And he gives several scriptural references, Matthew 22, 2 and Revelation 19, 7, of the marriage of the son, of the son's king, or the son's king, the king's son, uh, where he invited all the people in for that marriage feast. And then he goes to Christ and his church and the wedding supper of the Lamb. Yeah, it's already been defined for more than 200 years in this country, and it was defined before that. But at least in a dictionary form, marriage has been defined for a long time. And it didn't include two men. It didn't include two women. It didn't include a man with an inanimate object. It didn't include a woman with a beast, which was an abomination as well. It didn't include any of that. It was to be between a man and a woman. Now, let's go a little further. I've made reference to this before because at the heart of this is dealing with the crime of sodomy. That's is dealing with that crime. If you deal with that crime, you don't even have the issue of marriage. Why? Because you're dealing with the lawbreakers. Remember I read to you the other day from 
uh, Paul's letter to Timothy, and he says the law is is good if it's used lawful, and it's for among other people, among others, those who are sodomites, those who are homosexuals. That's what the law is there for. It is there to point them that you've crossed the line. You're violating the law. Well, Tim, it doesn't matter what they do in their own house. Well, look, if it stayed in their own house, I wouldn't know it. and You wouldn't know it. We wouldn't be worried about our children being indoctrinated about it. And I'm certainly not one that I want to go in somebody's bedroom. I care less. But the fact of the matter is they don't leave it in the bedroom, and that's why you hear it, and that's why it's shoved in your face. Accept us. You have to accept us. Now they, they're, they're putting these criminals, these traitors in D.C. to write law that will come after people like me, people like you, who say, wait a minute, the Bible, I, I don't have to respect this. The Bible says this is an abomination. See how they want to use force against us by doing it lawlessly? And what did we read at the first? Does Congress have the authorization to define marriage? No, they don't. They don't. Sorry. They don't have the, they, they're not authorized to do that. So when we go back in our history, I'm going to show you some things that would have nipped this in the bud right at the first. I wish I'd have had that little uh, soundboard thing where I could pull up Barney Fife. You got to nip it. You got to nip it in the bud, right? <laughs> I can't do a good Barney Fife, but you, you know what I'm saying. So Blackstone, in his book, The Fourth of Public Wrongs of Offenses Against pers of the Persons and Individuals, chapter 15, here's what he writes on pages 215 and 216. I want to bring this up so you guys can, can see it as we go through it. What has been here observed, which ought to be the more clear in, pro in proportion, as the crime is the more detestable, may be applied to another offense of a still deeper malignity, the infamous crime against nature. What is that? What is a crime against nature? That is what they used to call buggering or sodomy. Committed either with a with man or with a beast. But it is an offense of so dark a nature that the accusation should be clearly made out. I will not act so disagreeable. Uh, I will not act so disagreeable part to my readers as well as myself as to dwell any longer upon a subject the very mention of which is a disgrace to human nature. Wouldn't you like to hear a judge who would talk like this now when he when they are listening to this this kind of garbage that's being argued for? We're out of time for the show. We're going to carry over because. I've got several things, and we still haven't even got to the scripture part yet. I'm just kind of going back in history here. So if you want to hear the rest of it, sonsoflibertymedia.com, beforeitsnews.com, catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com, and Lord willing, we'll be back with you to finish off the week, 6 a.m. Didn't even get to see you out there. Welcome, everybody, coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And I'm going to finish this, and when I finish this, we're going to hit two other things, and then we're going to look at scripture. Okay? So hang on. and. Here's what we're going to have. Blackstone continues, It will be more eligible to imitate in this respect the delicacy of our English law, which treats it in its very indictments as a crime not fit to be named. Uh, okay, he's given me some kind of Latin here, which means that horrible sin not to be named among Christians. A taciturnity 
observed likewise by the edict of Constantius and Constans, and then a whole bunch of other stuff that I can't read because uh, I don't know Latin. But it means what that crime is found, which is not profitable to know, we order the law to bring forth to provide justice by force of arms. Oh, oh, wait, what, what? Provide justice by force of arms? What do you guys got that Second Amendment for? Hmm. To enforce the laws. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15. This is Blackstone. This is what he writes. To provide justice by force of arms with an avenging sword that the infamous men be subjected to the due punishment those who are found are those who, for, who future will be found in the deed, which leads me to add a word concerning its punishment. So listen to what Blackstone has said. This is his commentaries on the law. He says you have a sword. In this country, it's the people who are the sovereigns. They formed state governments. They formed the federal government. They said we have the right to keep and bear arms. And that's tied to being part of the militia. And the militia is there to put down insurrections, repel invasions, and to enforce the law. If you want to get a good picture of what this is, of dealing with these kinds of sexual deviants, these abominations, if that's what you want, go to Judges chapter 19 and Judges chapter 20. And a preface to that is Genesis chapter 19, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Because in Judges, it's not... It's not uh, fire and brimstone that fall out of the sky that deals with those who wanted to rape the priest and instead took his concubine and killed her. They were so abusive to her. Nope. When the men found out about it, they came and dealt with the wicked men who did the deed. Yep. And they said, if you're going to hide them and not bring them out to us, we're going to kill you too because you're just as wicked. These were men who believed something they believed it was wrong. They knew it was against the law of God. And when they saw it, they didn't wait around and say, well, you know, we just got to wait and see what happens. We got to let somebody else do for us what we're not doing for ourselves. We're not enforced. You know, we're, we're not supposed to be enforcing the law. Well, they went out and they dealt with them. They went out and dealt with them. Here, Blackstone again. This, the voice of nature and of reason and the express law of God determined to be capital, of which we have a signal instance or a single instance. Signal instance, long before the Jewish dispensation, by the destruction of two cities by fire from heaven, so that this is an universal, not merely a provincial, precept. By the way, you know Tel Aviv rivals anything you see out of San Francisco. For those of you people who continue to follow after Israel as though they're somehow, the, the place that calls itself Israel today is somehow God's people, it's not. We've been down this road before. God's people are the church from all nations, tribes, tongues, and people. It has nothing to do with a postage stamp, piece of land, or an occultic Jewish group over there. It, does, it has nothing to do with it. And our ancient law, in some degree, imitated this punishment by commanding such miscreants to be burnt to death. Though Flata says they should be buried alive. Look, I'm not in for torturing people. I think there's a death penalty. Personally, I think it ought to be swift and quick. It ought to be public. The community ought to be involved in it. 
That way everybody learns not to do what that person did. And I could go back and I could read to you from um, William Bradford's On Plymouth Plantation of the Young Man who was caught buggering animals, a lot of them. When they found out about it, he confessed to his sin, his crime. They dug a hole. They killed all the animals that he had buggered right in front of him. And then they hung him. They weren't going to put up with it. And you know what? They didn't have to worry about the definition of marriage being changed. And they didn't have to worry about sodomites being in their midst. They dealt with them according to the law of the Creator. Look, this isn't even this isn't even just biblical law. We're going to see some of that in a second. This is natural law. It is unnatural for a man to be with a man. It is unnatural for a woman to be with a woman. This is not rocket science. It really isn't. It's unnatural. It's not natural. That means it's against nature, which is what. I mean, this is what Blackstone said. He also said, either of these punishments was indifferently used for this crime among the ancient Goths. So he even goes back and he says, this isn't even just Christians. I mean, this, you go way back in here. But now the general punishment for, of all felonies is the fame, namely by hanging. And this offense, being in the times of popery, only subject to ecclesiastical censures, was made single felony by the statute 25 Henry VIII, uh, in felony without benefit of clergy by statute, and he lists that, and the rule of law herein is that if both are arrived at years of discretion, agents... Okay, we're into more Latin stuff, okay? So, you know, I gave an example here of George Washington. He caught a guy... They, there was a guy who was caught in his army for attempted attempted sodomy. He was found, he was convicted of attempted sodomy. Apparently he didn't get to go through it, but it was attempted. So there was an entry that was given regarding um, what had happened. Here's what I wrote. George Washington um, approved the dismissal from the service at Valley Forge in 1778 of Lieutenant Frederick Goddard Insulin. Why did he do it? According to orders which are held in the Library of Congress, Insulin was attempting to commit sodomy with another soldier. Under the title of Headquarters, V. Forge, Saturday, March 14, 1778, there's the following entry. At a general court-martial whereof Colonel Tupper was president, which was the 10th of March, 1778, uh, was President Lewitt. Insulin of... I, I, Colonel, I guess, Malcolm's regiment tried to uh, tried for attempting to commit sodomy with John Monert, a soldier. Secondly, for perjury and swearing to false accounts. So it wasn't just sodomy, he perjured himself too. Found guilty of the charges exhibited against him being breaches of 5th Article 18th Section of the Articles of War and do sentence him to be dismissed the service with infamy. His Excellency, the Commander-in-Chief, approves the sentence and with abhorrence and detestation of such infamous crimes, orders loot insulin to be drummed out of camp tomorrow morning by all the drummers and fifers in the army never to return the drummers and fifers to attend on the Grand Parade at guard mounting for that purpose. They didn't put up with it. They didn't, they didn't kill him. 
They didn't put him to death, but they didn't leave him in the army. Now what have we seen? We saw Obama remove this issue of, about adultery within the military, bestiality, and sodomy. All are, are a go. Now, I just saw the other day, you remember that big hulking uh, Navy SEAL guy? And he, he, he wanted to act like he was a woman, dress like a woman, and do himself up like a woman. He looked stupid is what he looked. Now that guy's going through detransition because he figured out, oh, I'm not so happy like this. Well, yeah, man. Yeah, look in the mirror. You had this big old beard. Now you want to be effeminate? What is that about? In any case, we go on. There's more there. I'll, I'll let you guys look that up. But Leviticus is very clear. Leviticus 20:13. If a man also lie with mankind, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Oh, Tim, you just you got a bloodlust for the Sodomites. No, I don't have a bloodlust for them. Because the same law points back to somebody like me, and it says, hey, you shall not steal. It says, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. Don't have God, other gods before you. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't perjure yourself. Don't covet things. Does that speak to me? What is the punishment, or the ultimate punishment for those things? Is it not death? Does it not speak to this guy here too? Does it not speak to you people who aren't committing sodomy? Yeah. No, the law condemns everybody. That's its purpose, is condemnation. And why is that? So that it will put the fear of God on the people so that they flee to Christ. Isn't that what Galatians says? It is a schoolmaster. It drives us to Christ. And just so you get it, all the states had laws against sodomy. New York, that the detestable and abominable vice of buggery, or sodomy, shall be from henceforth a judged felony, and that every person bring thereof convicted by verdict, confession, or outlawry, uh, unlawful flight to avoid prosecution, shall be hanged by the neck until he or she shall be dead. That's New York. That's their law. And that's based upon the scripture, what we just read out of Leviticus. Connecticut. That if any man shall lie with mankind as he lieth with womankind, both of them have committed abomination, they both shall be put to That's almost a direct quote out of Leviticus. That's right out of, that's right out of Leviticus. Georgia, sodomy, shall be punished by imprisonment at hard labor in the penitentiary during the natural life or lives of the person or persons convicted of the detestable crime. Maine, that if any man shall commit the crime against nature with a man or male child, every such offender, being duly convicted thereof in the supreme judicial court, shall be punished by solitary imprisonment for such term not exceeding one year, and by confinement afterwards to hard labor for such term not exceeding ten years. Now, that's not a biblical punishment, but at least Maine recognized that sodomy was a crime. They need to get their punishment just, but they recognized it was a crime. Okay. Pennsylvania, that if any person or person shall commit sodomy, he or they, so offending or committing any of the said crimes within this providence, 
or province, their counselors, aiders, comforters, and abettors being convicted thereof, as above said, shall suffer as felons and shall forfeit to the commonwealth all the singular the lands and tenements, goods and chattels, whereof he or, see, or she was seized or possessed at the time at the discretion of the court passing the sentence, not exceeding 10 years in the public gale or house of correction of the county or city in which the offense shall have been committed and be kept at such labor. Again, they recognize it's a crime. I think they have a bad punishment. It's not a biblical one. It's not justice, that's for sure. South Carolina, the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. They detest, this was before they were the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. The detestable and abominable vice of buggery or sodomy be from henceforth a judge felony and that the offenders be hereof convicted by verdict, confession, or outlawry. Unlawful flight to avoid prosecution shall suffer such pains of death and losses and penalties of their goods. Vermont, that if any man, Vermont! My goodness. If any man lieth with mankind as he lieth with a woman, they both shall suffer death. I mean, they're basically quoting the scriptures there. That's what they're quoting. We also have Thomas Jefferson issuing, and I had the, the copy of Jefferson's uh, stuff there from the Library of Congress, but he had put forth that those caught engaging in sodomy have their privates cut off. I, I, I don't see that in the scripture either. That doesn't stop really what's going on here. That's not a just punishment, but he recognized it was a crime. And George Washington warned, you know, you got... These pillars, and I, I agree that what we have bound ourselves to in Christ and His Word should be our morality, should it not? God's morality should be ours. What is right is right for everybody. What is wrong morally is wrong for everybody. Morally. I'm talking about the moral law that God gave. I'm not talking about things that we have liberty to do. There's a big difference in that, okay? And some, many of you know what I think about certain things that some, some people will call immoral, sinful, blah, 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 blah. Show it to me in the scripture because I don't see it. Plants and juice and all kinds of stuff like that. Those are liberties. What days you think are better than the others or whatever, knock yourself out. That's your conscience. Don't defile your conscience or defy it. But these are the things that we're supposed to be upholding. And we're not. We're not doing that. So let's take a couple of things. Um, and I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave the I'm going to leave this uh, these two articles for the archive. If you're interested in reading them, they're really good because as I read to you from uh, Cornell Law, they would point back to the Fourteenth Amendment. Our own Publius Holda again has written judicial abuse of the Fourteenth Amendment, abortion, sexual orientation, and homosexual marriage. None of those are found in the Fourteenth Amendment, by the way. And I get it. Some rights that we have, we didn't enumerate in the Bill of Rights. I get that. All right? The other one that she has is Searching for Mar Marriage in the 14th Amendment. I'd highly recommend you look at both of these. She actually takes the oral arguments that I read from uh, Obergefell versus Hodges and kind of goes through that. These are both very beneficial 
if you want to understand what's really said versus how the courts have skewed this stuff to push an agenda. So let's go to the scriptures because, as I said at the first, Congress has acknowledged that law is supposed to be based upon the Bible. That's what it's supposed to be. And I would say the laws that Congress write not only have to be based upon the Bible, they have to be within the confines of those 22 things that I read off at the first of the show, the enumerated powers of Congress. They can't just write it about anything. Or they're not supposed to. They are doing that, but they're not supposed to. So let's go to Genesis. Right in the beginning, right at creation, God established the family with a man and a woman. And what we see is, verse 20, after everything's been created, after Adam's named all the animals, he's been given instruction, all this kind of stuff. We read in verse 20, And Adam gave names to all the cattle and the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found in help meat for him. What was happening with the animals? Well, the animals all had male and female, didn't they? And they produced after their kind. Even the plants and the trees, they produced after their kind. And we read in verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh instead thereof. Really, an interesting picture of what Christ did for us on the cross. When the spear went into his side, pierced through his heart, and outflowed blood and water, and it's been, I think, rightly said that the church came from Christ's side, that he purchased the church with his own blood. Mm -hmm. And just as, it, as that was, there was a picture here. God took from Adam's side, closed up the flesh, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Now, stop and get this picture. The father brings his daughter. Eve is, is, is God's daughter. He brings his daughter to the man and gives his daughter to the man. This is how it's supposed to work. Young men out there, you're not supposed to be running around trying to take the heart of some young lady when you haven't even talked to the, to, to, to the one who is in authority over her, her father. You're not to be doing that. Verse 23, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she, has, she was taken out of man. Therefore, shall a man, now this is before you even have mom and dad in the physical sense. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So we see right here in the garden, God performs the first marriage. He brings his own daughter. He's got his own son, and he brings them together. And he gives them a command that they be fruitful and multiply. They take dominion over the earth. She's his helpmate. He's the one who's supposed to protect and look after her. It's supposed to be a loving relationship that resembles the father and the son. They're of one mind. They've got a common purpose and a common goal that they're going to be accomplishing, or that they're supposed to have been accomplishing. You say, well, Tim, weren't there some godly men? They had, they, had a, a uh, they had a lot of wives. 
And the Bible didn't come out and, and condemn some of these guys for it. Abraham, Jacob, David, Solomon. Now, Solomon does get called out for his many wives, but it's mainly because they led his heart after a God he had, he had not known, or gods he had not known. In fact, David, when David's being confronted about Bathsheba, Bathsheba, what is the problem there? Well, the problem is that he went and took somebody else's wife. David already had a number of women, and he had a harem. And nowhere did we see, because they weren't somebody else's wife, nowhere did we see a, con a specific condemnation on him. Of that. In fact, God said, if it was women you wanted, I would have given you women. But you took something that wasn't yours. Wasn't yours to take. And I'll tell you this, I had a friend, he got on this trip about that stuff, and he goes, yeah, you know, I can have two or three wives at home. And I just looked at him like, why would you want that? That's, it's very fleshly thinking like that. You already have a man and a woman who are sinners, and if they're Christians, they've been saved by God's grace, and there's still a struggle that, you know, they have to work through things because they're sinners. Why would you want to exacerbate that by having two, three, four thousand wives? That just doesn't make any sense to me. That's just a bad idea all around. I'm sure all the ladies agree with that. I'm sure most of the guys do. This is a bad thing. And you see, every time they did it, all it brought them was trouble and heartache. That's all it brought them. Why do you bring that up, Tim? Well, I want to bring it up because Jesus, when he addresses it, he doesn't even go there. I'm going to take you to two passages here. The first one here is Luke chapter 16. And in Luke chapter 16, we, we hear that he's been talking about the context here that he's talking about is, about, is with regard to money and debt and uh, being good stewards. He gives a, a parable there. And then he comes down in verse 14. Here's what he says. And the Pharisees also who were covetous. It, now, Stop and think about that because covetousness is at the root of every other sin. Covetousness is at the root of it. It's the one that is inside you. Now, Jesus talked about adultery. You can have that of the heart. Uh, we talked about this this past Sunday. Uh, murder can be of the heart. You're angry with your brother without a cause. So that's in the heart. And covetousness is in the heart, it's in the mind. Paul says this is the one that got him. Because it wasn't something external that he could do and keep clean and pretty, and you know, the outward part of the cup is clean, but the inside is dirty. He says, This is the one that got me. The Pharisees were covetous, and he's just been talking about you you see, he says, You cannot serve God and man. And he's just been talking about that kind of thing. Heard all these things, and they derided him, Jesus. And Jesus said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. And it is either for it is easier for heaven and to and earth to pass away, or to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. And then he says this: Whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another committeth adultery 
And whosoever marrieth her that is put away from her husband committeth adultery. And he goes into this, then he goes into this story about Lazarus and the rich man. And, you know, you, you guys, most of you guys know the story. And it's a shot against the very people he's talking about. That they pleasure themselves, they get all their creature comforts and all, and they leave off the poor. And then when they leave this life, the roles get reversed. Okay? But here he is. He says, you put away your wife, and you marry somebody else, you commit adultery. And you're going to cause that first wife, because she's going to go seek a husband, you're going to cause her to commit adultery too. A little bit more clarification, we go to Matthew chapter 19, of which he's speaking very similarly. Here's what we read, verse 1. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Now, notice what it says here. They were tempting him with this question. They, they, didn't, they weren't like struggling with a theological question that needed some practical application. They said, you know, Jesus, can you help us out here? We, we see this. We see that. How does this work? What are we supposed to do? They, they weren't doing that. They were trying to tempt him. They were trying to catch him in something. Jesus was the master wordsmith. He spoke perfectly. He communicated perfectly what he was saying. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read? It's like, it's, it's kind of like a subtle slap in the face with a velvet glove with an iron fist in front of everybody. Have you guys not read? You're teachers of the law and you haven't read this stuff. Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Is that not what we just read in Genesis chapter 2? Yes, it is. Jesus goes back to the beginning. There's a part of me that wonders in his, if in his mind, he remembers being in the garden and doing that. I, you know, I don't know how he leaves certain things off in his humanity and how he retains certain. I, I don't understand that. Nevertheless, he points back to Scripture. He's not pointing at himself. He's pointing at Scripture. And he says, the twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Why? Because there's all kinds of problems that come from divorce. Is divorce necessary sometimes? Yes. God himself said, right, Israel a writ of divorce, and he divorced her, and he utterly destroyed her. Just like he said he would in Deuteronomy 28. She would be utterly destroyed. So, what's their response? Well, they're looking for a way out. There's got to be a way out here, Jesus. They say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? And he saith, that's Jesus, unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts. Because of the hardness of your hearts, 
suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. So Moses gave some latitude here to protect the divorced woman. Guy didn't like the way she looked when she got up in the morning. She didn't shower the night before. She burnt the bagels. She whatever, and they want to get rid of her. And, and the reason they want to get rid of her is because they found a, a new pretty face that they want to go after. That's what they're doing. It's no different today. We see people doing that all the time. From the beginning, it was not so. And then he goes on and he says this, And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, that word there is what we, porneo, where we get the word pornography. You can include any kind of sexual act that you want in that. Premarital sex, bestiality, sodomy, lesbian, whatever. It, it, is, it is a sexual immorality. And shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. So if you combine this with what we read there in Luke chapter 16, what do you see? Divorce is allowable, clearly, if there is some kind of sexual morality that's gone on between one of the partners in the marriage. It's allowed. It's not commanded. There are many people who confess their sins, are forgiven, they restore their marriages. Praise God for that. Only God can do that in the hearts of two people. You really can. But the point that I'm trying to make is not so much about divorce as about marriage. Jesus went back and said, he skipped. Well, he kind of touched on what Moses said, but he skipped that and went back, right back to the beginning. And he says, from the beginning, it was not so. It was man and it was woman. And it's always been that way. Unless you get perverts like Nero who's got a little lady boy that he was running around with, cut his privates off and quote-unquote married him. We got a whole bunch of Neros running around here in the United States and around the world, by the way. No, I don't respect marriage equality, as people call it. No, I don't respect sodomite marriage. No, I don't respect lesbian marriage. No, I don't respect a man and a beast being married. No, I don't respect a man and an inanimate object doing it. And the federal government has zero authority to, to bring the law down on me that they created, which is a fake law. It's pretended legislation, just like our forefathers pointed out in the Declaration of Independence. It is pretended legislation. It is an abominable. And God is going to judge every one of those people who voted for it. Every one of you. Why? Read Romans 1. Go to the end. You're the people who are, who are pushing it on. You give praise to those who are doing those abominable things. And some of you up there in D.C., you're doing it yourself. You're doing it yourself. There's lots more I could say. We've already went an hour and a half. But I'm just trying to take you through things. Our history stands against what these criminals have pawned off to the people as though it were law with this respect of, of marriage act. And I'm going to tell you what it's going to come to. They're going to use this to try to shut down churches and Christians and even non-Christians who actually see the reality of natural law. 
they're going to try to shut it down. Hate speech. Oh, we're going to have to imprison you. Yeah, because my speech is really something terrible for somebody to endure. They can turn me off if they want to turn it off. They don't have to listen to me. I don't have to listen to them. But this is, this is the, the childish, criminal kind of nature that we're dealing with in the District of Criminals. And it draws us right back into what the gospel is. Tim, you've been kind of harsh on these guys, you know, the guys writing these pretended legislation. You've been kind of hard on these guys, calling them sodomites. I've been told that's a gut, gut punch. Look, is it a gut punch when you call somebody a murderer because they murdered somebody? Is it, a, is it a gut punch when you call them a liar, when, they, when they're known for their lying? Is it, a, is, it a, is it a gut punch when you call them an adulterer, when they've been committed adultery? Is it a gut punch when they, they clearly are idolaters and you call them an idolater? But somehow it's a sensitive matter when you say sodomite. They're engaged in sodomy. Why, why does the law bear on us so much? I'll tell you why. It's to drive us to the Christ. Because apart from him, the law is going to crush us. It already condemns us. And if we go to John 3, Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. He goes on and he says, the world's already condemned. I came to bring light, but the people don't want the light. They love the darkness, and they don't come to the light lest their deeds be exposed. Listen to me. If you're a person out there who's committed these crimes, and they are crimes indeed, and I'm specifically speaking of sodomy and lesbianism here, but there's a lot of other things. Adult, um, you know, I've listed several of these. Adultery, lying. All. If you, uh, you have the same law and the same lawgiver and judge looking down on you than I do. And there's only one remedy, and that is for you to repent, to bow your knee to the Lordship of Christ and confess your sin, and turn away from doing it. We read about it in Corinthians where he says, such were some of you. You were engaged in these kinds of things, but you were washed. You were cleansed from your filthiness. God saves all kinds of sinners. I'm not denying that. But here's the problem. When government comes in and thinks they're God, and they want to turn the law on its head, and they want to become little gods themselves, lording it over the people like they do in D.C. and like they do in many state houses and many of the county councils and everything else, they must be put in check. And listen, you and I were given, we have that authority here. We just haven't learned to exercise it. We have it. That's why I've said, if you want to be part of the solution, you're going to have to get off, of, off your duff and do it. You're going to have to do it. And several of you are doing it. I know many people in the chat who are doing it in their particular areas. You're being vocal. You are witnessing to people. You are loving your neighbor. See, it's not just about a political thing. It's about loving your neighbor. We talked about this the other day, too. If you love your neighbor, you're going you're gonna to speak the truth to them. Now, you may handle it delicately. If I talk about this subject with somebody I know is engaged in this particular, I'm going to try to be delicate with them because I want them to hear what I'm saying. 
but it's not going to it's not going to deter me from saying what I'm going to say because I care for that person and I don't want them to face the wrath of God. Do you? If you want them to face the wrath of God, if that's what you're looking for, you might want to see whether or not you've been delivered from the wrath of God. Just saying. Do I want justice? Yep. Do I want men to face the wrath of God? Completely different story. That's why we have the gospel, and that's why we give it. And again, if you go back in our history, you'll find that even when men, when they were sentenced to death, they would always send a gospel preacher in there to give the gospel to that person, because although they were going to face the justice of man here, they did not want those people to face the, just, the justice of God when there was a remedy for their crimes. So, what do we come here? The Respect for Marriage Act is anything but what that sounds like. First, it's not marriage they're upholding. Second, it's not respect for it. Going back in history and into the Bible, and which is history as well, what have we seen? What they're upholding is an abomination before God. It is lawless. It is disgusting. It is detrimental to society. Not just, and, and for those people who say, well, why are we talking about this? This is a social issue. We need to talk about economics. Well, Marxist, let me, let me just tell you why. Because this affects economy too. It affects everything. It's like abortion. Well, it's a social issue. Let's get off the social. We need to talk about the economy. It's the jobs, man. We got, well, how many people have you murdered or have the United States allowed to be murdered who could have been inventors, workers, preachers, car builders, ditch diggers, electricians? We've killed off entire states as far as numbers, through abortion. Don't tell me it doesn't affect the economy. Same thing with, the, with the, the marriage issue. Marriage is there to produce children. That's from the, that's Genesis chapter 1. Be fruitful and multiply. That is, the, that is one of the main purposes of marriage. Be fruitful and multiply. Oh, how far we've gotten away from just very simple things. And we're allowing the nuts to run the nut house. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So let it be said here, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, the rest of you flunkies up there and criminals in D.C., we're not going to respect your marriage act. Not doing it. You might respect it. We're not respecting it. It doesn't matter what you do to us. It's not going to change the fact that marriage is what it is between a man and a woman, and that what you guys are upholding is lawless, criminal, an abomination, and all those men who came before you always upheld that too, both in this land and other lands too, from other religions and other creeds. They can recognize it. Why? Because it's part of God's natural order. It's part of his natural law. All right, there it is. What are you going to do? This is how corrupt D.C. has become. I've told you the answer. The answer to all this is to dissolve D.C. Just like Thomas Jefferson said, I'm not, I'm not calling for the overthrow of the government. I'm calling for the dissolution of it. Just like the Declaration of Independence says, Thomas Jefferson wrote it. There's how you're going to solve the problem. And one of the ways you're going to solve it is by dealing with it locally. Guys, have a great day. 
Uh, Bradley will be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And then we'll be back with you in the morning, bright and early, Lord willing, 6 a.m. Talk to you then. See you.